Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. And a good afternoon to you. I hope that you and your family are well. It is Thursday afternoon, Fresh Thinking time. We've missed the last two weeks. Two weeks ago was Tishabab, not a time to be on the radio. Last week, thank God, we had a Simcha. Please, God, as a community, we should always have simchas and share together in good times. Believe it or not, it's just weeks away from Rosh Hashanah. There's a lot of conversation going on right now here in South Africa, and I'm sure it is in other places in the world, about opening shuls. And there's such mixed feelings, because on the one hand, people are trying to be cautiously optimistic about the future, about the decline in numbers of COVID cases about some green shoots possibly in the economy. And then, of course, you have people who say, whoa, don't get carried away just yet and don't start to become too optimistic just yet. You'll always have those people who tell you the worst is yet to come. Welcome to Fresh Thinking. You are with Rabbi Shishla till 3 p.m. As always, I'd love to hear your views and inputs throughout the course of the show. You can send an SMS on 34519. We use Telegram on 0618951019. We tweet at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. We're on Facebook, including Facebook Live on my personal profile. You can also comment on the Chai FM Facebook page because ultimately, at the end of the day, it is you who drives the show. I'm just here in the seat, but it's a conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on exactly that, on optimism, on whether it is pragmatic, whether it is realistic to be optimistic at the moment. I know that right at the beginning of all of this, there were people who were very optimistic. Go back to January. It feels like eons ago. It wasn't that long ago. Go back to January and there were people who were so optimistic. It's just a passing phase. It won't be too long. It won't be too serious. And here we are months down the line and still largely restricted in terms of what we can and can't do. Now, just starting to hear of uh, the possibility of opening shuls, and please God will have the opportunity to have some kind of a shul service over Yontav. It's uh, It's been a rough time. I think everybody will agree that it's been a rough time. So I'd like to talk about how do you, or I'd like to discuss with you, How do we deal with rough times? What is the attitude that a Jewish person is supposed to adopt? Is it correct to be optimistic? Should we rather err on the side of caution and rather speak in hushed tones about dark possible outcomes? And that way, of course, if something good happens, we'll be pleasantly surprised. What about the fact that people tend to be a little bit down? You know, we had a wonderful, wonderful opportunity last week, having had a family simcha, our son got married, and people from the community did a drive-by after the chuppah. You know, the chuppah was restricted because you only allowed 50 people at a religious event. So after that, people drove past, and the incredible simcha that you saw for people to be able to interact, even though they were all in their cars and they didn't get out of their cars, but to kind of be with other people. I had a Zoom event just over a week ago and somebody made a comment afterwards and said, this is the closest that I have felt to being in shul. Just the fact that there were people together. And of course, there have been many Zoom events over the course of the last few months. But for some reason, this one 
gave the impression to this particular individual that it was almost like being actual. So I think we crave that personal content, contact. We, we crave, as the expression goes in Torah, that we, and people are social. Adam Medini, people are social creatures. So we crave that personal contact. We also crave stability. And we like to hear that things are going to be good. The question is, is that pragmatic? Or is that just feel good stuff? Just because we like to make ourselves feel as if things are going to be good. So that's what we're, what we're going to talk about over here today. And I'd love to hear your input and your thoughts on it. Just is it pragmatic? Is it appropriate? Should we be advising people from a Torah point of view, from a Jewish perspective, should we advise people to adopt an optimistic, upbeat, chin-up kind of an approach to what's going on in the world? Or should we be advising people to fuss-bait, as they say in the classics, hang in there and bunker down because we're in this for the long haul? And then the answer may actually be a little bit of a combination of the two because we are required by Jewish law to do everything that is pragmatic to keep ourselves safe and healthy. For sure, I'm not talking really about what we do as much as how we feel and what we think. You know, I'm reminded a little bit of the story, seeing as it's just been Tishabab. So we have the story of Rabbi Akiva, the great scholar and sage, and his colleagues who came after the soon after the destruction of the temple, they came to the Temple Mount and they saw the Temple Mount in ruins and they tore their garments. And yet, at the same time, Rabbi Akiva had this incredibly optimistic outlook, which is interesting because you would think that that's kind of contradictory. If you tear your clothes, that implies that you're mourning the destruction. And if you've got this optimistic outlook, that implies that the, the, the destruction of the Temple hasn't really bothered you so much. So which one is real? And the truth is, it is possible and it's probably appropriate for a human to live a paradox. Certainly, as Jewish people, we live a paradox. In the words of the Zohar, there is on one side of my heart this incredible joy, and simultaneously on the other side of my heart, there is this heartbroken crying. So it's okay. We can, we can handle this paradoxical state. We can handle the possibility of, on the one hand, doing all kinds of things that are quite limiting, actually, when you think about it, to be able to conform to the legal and health requirements of the period that we live in. And at the same time, we can also adopt an attitude, which is upbeat and optimistic. So that's really what I'd like to talk about with you today. And as always, definitely invite your thoughts and your input and your insights. So again, if you want to send an SMS, it's 34519. You can send a message on Telegram on 0618951019. There is some activity happening at this moment on Twitter, as there usually is. That's at Chai FM and at Ravashish. And I anticipate we'll have some comments coming through on Facebook as well. Uh, first comment that's come through, I love this Twitter handle, by the way, Gimple the Fool. <laughs> I've always wondered what motivates somebody to use that kind of a uh, name, but okay. So anyhow, Gimple says, yes, we have to adapt every to every situation and make lemonade. <laughs> so of course, that building on the cliche about if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Okay, so what does that actually mean? Does that mean that you should be 
accepting of the fact that life will continue to give you lemons, but you'll find a way to turn it positive. And I think there are many people, myself included, who can attest to silver linings during this difficult period, things that would never have happened under ordinary circumstances. So we are making lemonade, right? We are. We're making lemonade. But is is that an acceptance of the lemons? <laughs> is is that is that what it means when you make lemonade that you say okay well obviously that's because life has lemons maybe more lemons than we would want so is that the attitude or is the attitude to say there's going to be more to life than the lemons we can look forward to something which is optimistic upbeat a better future things are going to come right things are going to be good how should we look at life from a jewish perspective and I suppose we can add into this conversation, how happy are we supposed to feel in spite of the difficult circumstances? How happy are we supposed to feel in spite of our challenges? I think that's also part of the conversation that we need to have over here today. And again, I'd love to hear your thoughts and your input. There's a couple more that I'm going to share in just a moment. But uh, yeah, definitely do share your thoughts with us, with the listeners, with everybody who's tuned in over here on Chai FM. Should we be cautiously optimistic? Should we be overly optimistic? Should we be upbeat? Or should we be uh, just quite pragmatic and stable and accepting of the fact that it's going to be tough and it's going to be tough for a while? Love to hear your thoughts on that as we continue this conversation in just a moment. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. And yeah, there we are. We're back. Tessa says we are not in control. That's probably one of the most important things. This is Tessa on Facebook. Says we are not in control and there are always ups and downs. But Torah mitzvahs are there. Oh, sorry. Torah mitzvahs are what we can do and control ourselves love to know a little bit more about that concept of control ourselves. What do you mean by that? Control how we feel, control how we react to our situations and circumstances. What really do we mean when we say that we have the capacity to control ourselves? We definitely recognize that we don't have the capacity to control our circumstances. Here's Teresa on Twitter who says, yes, we should be optimistic. This too shall pass. Doom and gloom are destructive. And you know what's interesting about this is very often when you speak to people, you'll find that people fall quite neatly into two camps. There is the camp that says there is no value in being negative. It's only going to be destructive. Keep your chin up. Be optimistic. Look forward to the future. And there's the camp that says, which I suppose is the pessimistic camp, that says, well, if you have that attitude, you may very well end up being disappointed. Whereas if you accept that things may be difficult, and if you accept that things are not going to go the way that you want, well, then possibly you'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay, so that's interesting because here Teresa says that doom and gloom are destructive. Other people will tell you that unfettered or unfounded optimism and positivity can also be destructive because ultimately it kind of lets you down. Uh, here's somebody on Twitter who gives the classic answer that you're supposed to give when a Chabadnik asks this kind of question, Mashiach now. <laughs> so absolutely, well there's optimism for you. You can be optimistic about 
Mashiach being on the doorstep, right, on the threshold. I certainly uh, belong to that camp. It's sometimes more challenging than others, but that's how we're supposed to think as Jewish people. You know what's interesting? What's interesting is that we have a mitzvah. It's based on a verse that says, Ivdu es Hashem besimcha. That we're supposed to serve God with joy or in joy. So many people will tell you that what that means is that when you're doing something that is to serve God, for example, when you do a mitzvah, let's say for argument's sake this morning you put on tefillin or you now are on your way to help somebody who's going through a difficult time so you've gone to help them or you give some charity. So when you are ivdu, when you are serving God by doing these particular things, that's what people will tell you. That's the time to be besimcha. That's the time to celebrate. But in fact, that's not the full story. You see, if you have a look in various Jewish sources, take, for example, the Rambam, Maimonides, who writes extensively about the attitudes that a person is supposed to take and how we're supposed to live. One of the things that he talks about in detail is the fact that we are supposed to live with Simcha. In other words, it's not only that when you serve God, then you have to elicit simcha. You have to elicit this joie de vivre and you have to have this positive attitude and exude optimism. But actually in your ordinary day-by-day experience, to feel that optimism, to have that simcha, is how you serve God. That's an interesting thought. In other words, and I think this is really what we need to talk about, people tend to believe that my mood and my outlook and my experience, my ups and downs, are going to be very much about, um, about you know, what's happening in my life. So if things are happening in my life that are, that are good, then I'll feel good. And if things are happening in my life that are not so good, then I won't feel so good. You know, that's very often how people think. Um, yet when you see the Torah using this expression, to serve God with joy. So that implies that it's avoida. You know what avoida means? It means work. You don't have to work at something which is natural. You don't have to work at something if it is circumstantial. You only have to work at something if it is, well, as the name implies, as the expression implies, work. (laughs) When it is difficult to achieve. When it is difficult to do. So somehow or other, people have become convinced of the, of the fact that as far as Judaism is concerned, if you're doing something which is overtly Jewish, if you're doing something which is what Hashem wants, then that's when you're supposed to serve with joy. Actually, that's not what it's saying. That avoider, the way that we serve Hashem, is by generating joy in all life's circumstances. Now, that's not so simple. And that's why when I ask the question, should we be optimistic at a time such as this, It's quite important for us to understand that, yes, that's actually part and parcel of what Judaism expects of us, is that we should be optimistic. We should work to be optimistic. And that was my my original question was, is it pragmatic? Is it realistic to be optimistic in these times? Well, generally, the principle goes that whatever the Torah tells us that we are supposed to do means that we are capable of doing it. Now, that's already something to think about. Here's an interesting one. Uh, This is... At Casper30214, that's quite a name on Twitter, who says, uh, so I was asking, is it pragmatic to be optimistic these days? And he says, perhaps, 
but that might be more like wishful thinking. This is exactly what we need to talk about. Judaism is not in favor of wishful thinking. Judaism is not in favor of inventing some kind of la-la land where we live and we just ignore the problems, kind of the ostrich approach. That is not the perspective of Judaism. When Judaism talks about optimism, and we'll discuss that, and when Judaism talks and when the Torah tells us, that we should serve Hashem with joy regardless of the circumstances, that is something a lot more profound than just wishful thinking. Wishful thinking means that it makes me feel better, but I have absolutely no guarantee that just because I feel that way, anything is going to actually change or improve in my life. Whereas the principle, serve God with joy, means that there is value in that joy, in the joy itself, in the optimism itself, not as a means to an end. Well, if I'm optimistic, good things will happen. That may also be true. But that's not the whole point of it. The whole point is not only to be able to achieve a wonderful result because I expected it or because I was positive. In the experience of joy, there is already value. I think too often we live in that, in the life that we live, I suppose. We, we far too often are in the pursuit of things that will bring to other things, a means to an end. So if I do X, will it produce Y result? And then Y result is what I want, so that's what I'm going to do X. That's why I'm going to do X. And from a Jewish perspective, there needs to be value in what I am doing now, in and of itself. In other words, optimism and joy are both declarations in and of themselves of the fact that what I can see is not necessarily the reality. And more importantly, as Tessa said right in the beginning, we are not in control. But who is in control? That's the point. I think we've all been shown in absolute high definition over the last few months that we are not in control. And that's what's unsettled so many people. Because we have the illusion of control and we want to have control and we believe that we should have control. So you can understand that's why people might be a little bit thrown. The real issue is who is in control. If a person wants to feel optimistic, if a person wants to feel joyous in spite of what's going on, well, a really good way to be able to do that would be to recognize who is in control. So my question for today is, is it pragmatic at the moment to be optimistic? And I would love to hear your thoughts and input on that. You can send a text message on 34519 or via Telegram on 061-895-1019, on Twitter at Chai FM or directly to me at Rabbi Shish. You can join the conversation on Facebook, either on the Chai FM page or on my personal Facebook Live that's happening at the moment. Discare Linksfield has opened a magnificent new store in the neighborhood complex in Linksfield, which is on the corner of Sivan and Club Streets. It's a full-line discount store, which means that in addition to your meds, supplements, hygiene, and health foods, Discare Linksfield also has a wellness and well-baby clinic. There's ample parking. And remember that Discam also do free delivery. That's Discam Linksfield. Pharmacists. Who care?
While we're about it, pick and pay Hyper Norwood Mall as the following special, which is valid until the 15th of August, just for you. Pick and pay butchery kosher lean mince, only 99 rand, 99 per kilo. Pick and pay butchery kosher chick bry pack for just 79.99 a kilo. Pick and pay butchery kosher lamb riblets are just 149.99 per kilo. And pick and pay fish minced hake are, is going for just 129.99. Per kilo. For all these specials and more, go to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood Mall, the place to shop when you want to buy a lot. If you've just joined us halfway through the show, coming up to the hour, three o'clock, we're together. You're with Rabbi Shishla. This is Fresh Thinking happening on Chai FM, streaming live on my Facebook Live as well, and inviting you, as always, to be part of the conversation. My question today is, is it pragmatic? in today's world, to be optimistic. And I suppose, by extension, to be in a good mood. (laughs) There are many people, I think, who are not necessarily in a good mood. We actually had somebody post not so long ago on one of the Facebook groups that I'm part of. Uh, How do you deal with people who are so worked up and so angry at the moment? Seems, unfortunately, that there is quite a lot of that. Here's Irvstein on Twitter replying to the question, is it pragmatic to be optimistic at the moment? Says, of course, being hopeful is something I also strive to keep being. So <clears throat> what's the difference between optimistic and hopeful? I wonder if that's just semantics or if there's more to it. I have told the story before, but I will tell it again because it's relevant. And at a time such as this, when people are feeling so pressured and so insecure, it's useful for us to repeat to repeat stories that we know and to repeat insights that we have heard before because we need all the resources that we can get. So I have told the story before, but I'll tell it again. There was a fellow who had a health challenge, and he went to speak to Rabbi Menachem Mendel the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe of the Chabad dynasty. And he, he had this issue, and the doctors had kind of thrown their hands up in desperation, and nobody was able to help him. So he comes to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe says to him, Tracht gut, vet sein gut. Which means, think good, and things will be good. Okay? So that sounds like a nice little formula. Something that's, uh, you know, fun to say, doesn't necessarily, how do you know that's actually going to work? So that's what he told him. Tracht gut, vet sein gut. Years and years later, there was a, person, I don't remember offhand his name, but you can Google this, you can find it online. There was an individual who also had a particular health problem. In fact, it was his father. His father was really unwell. And he came to the Rebbe, our Rebbe, to ask for a broker for his father, because again, the doctors had pretty much written him off. And the Rebbe told him, this individual, the same principle, tracht gut, vet sein gut. Be positive, think good, and things will be good. Anyhow, a few days went past, and this guy was not in a good headspace, and it was difficult for him. And I think that's why this is relevant to us, because these are not magical formulas. You know, you just pull out your wand, and you kind of wave and say a little incantation, and then everything is fine. This is, Eve du'es Hashem b'simcha. If you want to connect to God through joy, it's going to take work. Let's not pretend. Let's not pretend we're going to pop a pill. Let's not pretend we're going to go to some kind of a comedy event and then suddenly life will be better. We need to understand that to shift that emotion and to shift that perspective and to shift that insight takes work. 
It's difficult, difficult to do. So this guy was battling. He was battling to get his head right. He had been given this direction from the Rebbe about how he should be looking at life. And he wasn't necessarily resonant with it. He didn't really, you know, he just couldn't get it into his head, as you can well imagine. So what happened was time went by and eventually he worked really hard on shifting his mindset. And his father took an amazing turn and the doctors were completely, completely flabbergasted. And he went back to the Rebbe to say, thank you for the brocha. And here's the part of the story that to me hits the mark. He came back to the Rebbe and the Rebbe asked him, when did your father take a turn for the better? And he told him it was in such and such a point. And then the Rebbe said, and when did you begin to tracht good? When did you begin to think good, to think optimistically? And then it hit this guy like a ton of bricks that there was a direct correlation between when he had shifted his mindset and when the circumstances that had been beyond the brink had changed. You see, my question at the beginning was, is it pragmatic to be optimistic at this time? So the answer is, it's the time to be optimistic. This is the time, because when things are good, I'm not being optimistic, it just happens to me. Whereas what the Torah wants us to do is to work at it. Work means that it is not easy. Here's uh, sure, a couple of messages coming through. Gary says via Telegram, if one has enough emunah, then one should not doubt that everything that happens is for the greater good and Hashem knows what He is doing. So yes, yes, absolutely. He knows what He's doing. That's why we should be optimistic that, see, this is the point. Very often when people say that, and it's appropriate to say that, have faith. You should have faith in God. He's in charge and he knows what he's doing. Very often that is accompanied by and therefore accept what he is doing. Whereas actually this avoid, this work that we're supposed to work on is not only to accept that he knows better, not only to accept that things that, that have happened which are painful for us are for some reason that is inexplicable to us worthwhile. Actually, the optimism that we are supposed to work on, that the Torah expects us to work on, is to be optimistic that he will make it the kind of good that I can identify as good, that I can see in my reality as being good. Now, of course, this is a very difficult topic if you're in the throes of a difficult time. So that's why Melinda says here on Facebook, I don't understand how we can be joyful at a time like this. My opinion is that this is a great punishment for God for what people are doing and things are getting worse. Is it just me who thinks the time is coming when the world that we live in will end after all more and more people are getting sick and God forbid dying and we are the cause? Is it not possible that finally Hashem has had enough of us and is finally saying enough? I'm so glad that this question came up because I think... Very often what happens in our conversations when it's in a public forum and it's on the radio and it's on, it's on Facebook, people are often reticent to share what they really feel because what if somebody sees it and what if somebody feels that I've spoken out of turn and so on. And that's why it's amazing that Melinda's been so open and honest because I really believe that this view is representative of what many people feel and just don't necessarily want to say it out loud or in a public forum. Could it be? How can we be joyful? 
Surely we are being battered by God right now. Surely the world and humanity is being punished. And the emphasis is on humanity because although you can trace the virus back to animals, it seems that animals are not really affected in the same way as we are. So it seems so much like Hashem is pounding us health-wise, financially, structures, global structures that are collapsing. How can you possibly say joy? How can you possibly say optimism? And I'm really pleased that we've had the opportunity to voice that question because I think it's a critical question to address and to talk about. If you have a view on it, you can share a text message on 34519 via SMS or on Telegram 0618951019. You can comment on Twitter at FM and at Rabashish or join the conversation Facebook Live or the Chai FM Facebook page. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, uh, just a quick aside before we come back to Melinda's question, which I really do believe speaks on behalf of many people. Quick aside, somebody sent here an SMS I would mentioned earlier that we become obsessed with doing things as a means to an end, whereas from a Torah perspective, the value is in the experience. So, for example, the Mishnah tells us, Schar mitzvah, mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. Not as people always think the reward of a mitzvah is that you'll get to do another mitzvah. The reward, the experience, the value is in the moment. So somebody sent an SMS to say, when I tell people that I was many years in yeshiva without becoming a rabbi, they cannot believe it. Because in the secular world, it's all about results and end goals, whereas Torah is about getting close to Hashem in the moment. Very powerful and insightful message, by the way, and I resonate a lot with that. Uh, Just quickly to go to this tweet here from uh, Brit, who says, uh, in response to my question, my question was, is it pragmatic to be optimistic at the moment? And Brit says, resoundingly, it is pragmatic to be optimistic. Not the type of optimism which is blind to the current pains of society. Such a good point. But the type of optimism garnered from Torah, going beyond immediate circumstances to put life in context and God willing give life meaning. So I like that a lot to say, you know, shouldn't be optimism which is blind to other people's pain. And that's really, really important. So let's talk for a minute about this concept. How could you be joyous if this is a time which appears to be a time of punishment from God? And I do think many people feel that way, especially now as we emerge from the month of Av, the destruction of the temple, and we go into the Elul period and building towards Rosh Hashanah, there is a sense of dread that many people already have at this time of the year. So add to that the fact that uh, there's all this sorus, that there's all this difficulty in the world, and people are ill, and people are not recovering so easily, and people have passed away because of the virus, and people have lost their income because of the virus. So surely you can see in that God's punishment. I think it's important for us to understand two basic principles on this topic. Principle number one is that we are told that simcha, joy, is an underpinning of the whole of the Jewish experience. I earlier quoted the verse that says, Ibdus Hashem Basimcha, that we are to serve God with joy, and the emphasis over there is on the word Ivdu, serve, work. It will not come naturally. And part of the way in which it will not come naturally is that we will intellectually delude ourselves into thinking that it's correct not to have simcha. That's part of what we'll feed ourselves. As the Rambam writes at the end of his laws of the Lulav, he talks about how important it is for a person to be consistently in a state of simcha. 
how being in a state of joy is an expression of being Jewish and it's an expression of our connection to God. How in a couple of weeks' time we're going to read in Parshas Ki Savoy, we read the curses, a terrible part of the Torah where Hashem tells Moshe to tell the Jewish people a whole slew of curses, nearly a hundred curses that can fall on us if we don't do what Hashem says. And one of the expressions that it says over there is that these things will happen. Because you did not serve God with joy. And now Rizal, the great Kabbalist, says that the key over there is not so much on the fact that you did not serve God as much as on the fact that you did not do so with joy. Now there are various other sources that we can look at, but I'm just building a theme over here that Simcha is part of how we serve God. Even in the difficult times, even if we were, let's assume, I personally do not see this in the context of punishment, and I'll tell you why in a second, but even if we were to assume that it is in the context of punishment, there is still joy in that experience. Take Rabbi Akiva as an example, the great scholar and sage Rabbi Akiva, who literally built the bedrock on which the whole of modern Judaism, when I say modern for the last 2,000 years, is built. The man, they say the entire Talmud is modeled after his teachings. The person who went from zero to hero, who established a yeshiva with 24,000 students, and then when he lost them, went to reestablish a new yeshiva with the greatest leaders of the next generation. And Rabbi Akiva stood there, bound by the Romans, and they took iron combs, literally in the most brutal way. They scraped his body to shreds. That's how they killed him. The Gemara, the Talmud tells us that at that point in time, he was in a state of absolute simcha. Can you imagine such a thing? He's in a state of absolute joy. Here's a person who's being brutalized in the most horrific way. And it was probably in front of an audience, as the Romans did, for sport. And yet in his mind... It was absolutely clear to him that this was a time of joy. Why? Joy over the fact that he could remain absolutely dedicated to Hashem in spite of what Hashem had allowed to happen to him. Now that should be a template for us. That should tell us that even if you were to accept, even if you were to adopt the position that Hashem is out to get us and right now he's punishing us, that does not diminish the joy that we are supposed to have as Jewish people. Joy over what? Not because we are sadistic or masochistic or because we enjoy pain, but because we under, understand and acknowledge that, number one, life at every moment is valuable and worth celebrating, and number two, even more importantly, not just that life is worth celebrating, but the fact that life gives us opportunity for connection to Hashem, that is what we celebrate. Number two, number two is we so often, I mean, we're coming up for Rosh Hashanah and it's speeding towards us as much as people may have not realized that yet. And that's the time of the year where we speak about Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. We often, often refer to Hashem as our Father, right? Our God and God of our fathers. We speak Avinu Malkeinu, our Father, our King. So many times we refer to Hashem as our Father. Fathers, parents do sometimes have to discipline their children. They do. And the children don't enjoy it at the time, ever. Unless the child has grown up a little bit and become a little bit more mature. And then the child actually appreciates the boundaries. 
and the child appreciates the reprimand and the child appreciates being pushed back into a good and healthy and appropriate headspace. We as Jewish people, we don't talk about Hashem punishing us. We acknowledge that there are things that Hashem does that are painful. And going to gym is also painful. And going to the dentist is also painful. And sometimes when you have to say goodbye to a child because they're going overseas to study, it is painful. But one thing we are clear about in Judaism, pain is not synonymous with bad. There are painful things that are bad. Not all bad things feel painful. Not all painful things are bad. When Hashem does something to us, let's assume that this is right now God doing something to us. It's not to destroy us. It's not to destroy us. It's to shift us. It's to elevate us. And I think that that's really important for us to, to think about. The joy that he cares enough to want to shift us. Otherwise he could have just, you know, let the world continue and fall apart and everybody eats each other alive as the Mishnah says in Prika Avos. I'd like to hear your thoughts. There's a kind of a tongue in cheek message I've got to reply to over here, which I'll come back to in a second. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. You gotta love it. So here's the bartender. <laughs> I love that name on Twitter. Who says, one second, let me ask Rabbi Akiva. Uh, listen, I didn't make up the story about Rabbi Akiva. It's recorded in the Talmud. He had eyewitnesses there who were standing next to him. His students. And they said to him, you're saying the Shema at this point in time as they're literally brutalizing you. And he said, my whole life I've waited for this moment. And I never knew if I would have the opportunity to show such dedication to Hashem. And, and he literally celebrated the opportunity. That was way beyond us. I don't think we could understand or relate to something like that. So, kind of just to wrap it up, because uh, we're out of time. That's what happens when you're having fun, right? We're out of time. The concept, as far as Judaism is concerned, is that it's not just pragmatic. Judaism is pragmatic. Judaism pushes us to do things that are not easy to do. That is pragmatic. In other words, we believe that the spiritual and physical realities are not independent, and they're not separate from each other. And the kind of attitudes that we adopt which are based on spiritual principles, become the things that impact the physical reality that we live in. So it's not like, now's not the time to be optimistic. Now's the time to kind of bunker down and, and, and just worry about the future. And what can, Now, I'm not saying we can't improve ourselves. I think Melinda's question was, does that imply if you're going to be optimistic that you don't have to be introspective? Yes, we have to be introspective. In fact... There's quite a lot of literature, particularly in Jewish mysticism, about how introspection, which we equate with the word teshuva, is supposed to be accompanied by joy. So there's a phase that you go through when you feel shattered over how bad things are and how much you've lost the plot. And that follows with a period of incredible joy over the fact that you have the opportunity to fix it. And that's what we need to focus on. The optimism is twofold. Not just to think, what do you think? Just because we would like life to get better, it will? No, there's no guarantees of that. Where does the optimism draw from? Two things. Hashem is in control and He wants the best for us. That is a given. It's throughout the Torah. In fact, it's in this week's Torah portion. God says, look, I'm giving you the opportunity for blessing. Or the opposite, you get to choose. But I would like you, He says, I would like you to choose life. I would like you to have goodness. That's the attitude. Hashem wants good for us. One reason to be optimistic. 
The second reason to be optimistic, which is so profound, is that not only is Hashem in control, and not only is the world not spiraling in some kind of haphazard fashion, but it's because He's invited us on board and given us the opportunity to make things better. More care for the next person. More charity. More focus on the value of the family and bringing value into our family. More focus on upgrading our spirituality now that we're kind of detached somewhat from the materialism that we're usually involved in. When we grab an opportunity and we use an opportunity to make things more meaningful, more connected, more aligned with what Hashem wants, that in itself brings about the bracha that we need. We are not completely adrift. We are not completely powerless. We are not completely sucked into a vortex of something that is so big that none of us can control. Hashem invites us in and says, have a diff- have an impact. Make a difference. Do something. And yes, I do agree. Being introspective and, and, and thinking about what should we be doing differently is definitely part of it. Tracht gut, vet sein gut. Think good. Things will be good. Think that you can make it good by the decisions you and I make. Please God, things will be good. May Hashem bless us. That sooner than any of us could imagine, we see His revealed blessings in our lives as individuals, as a community, as a world. And please God, we have the ultimate bracha of all, which is the coming of Mashiach now. Thank you so much for participating and sharing your thoughts and insights. Have a wonderful Shabbos and stay safe and stay sane.